Hey, yo, yo, yo. This is your man, Arthur Romeo. And who do we got here? My name is Tom, welcoming you from New York. New York, New York! West Coast. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, And welcome to Tales to Admonish, where Tom and I talk about the finer news of geekery. Indeed, all the things we love and sometimes some of the things that we don't love, maybe. Mostly the things that we don't love because there's a lot of crap out there. And we're happy to consume it for you so you don't have to. (laughs) Well, hopefully you consume it too so we can all talk about these things in the message boards. Um, But let me introduce myself. I'm Martha Romeo. come from Hollywood, California. I've been uh, geeking for over 30 years, just geeking it, geeking it all over the place, geeking. That's what we do. Um, and uh, love and film, animation, video games, tabletop games. Yeah, just a uh, full galoot here. And my name is Thomas Olton. I am an event producer and creative working out of New York, just north of the Bronx in Westchester County. I am a lifelong comic book and horror fan. I am uh, privileged enough to work in the horror entertainment industry, producing Halloween events, uh, typically pre-COVID across the country, and more specifically now in some local neighborhoods near you. Um, I have entirely too many comic books, and I'm happy to talk about it. (laughs) He's a beast! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, me and and Tom, we've been uh, friends for like the past seven years, and uh, we just uh, vibe so much on so many like old school stuff, and you know, like just like uh, just just maintaining the the quality, just wanting to to see that quality things come out, and also pointing out like all the crappy stuff that happens, and you know, in in this type of entertainment business where things have to be churned out, you know. It's I don't know. It's, I guess I guess it's a little bit of a shot in order. Like yeah, fuck those guys. They're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of horrible, um, you know we're all dealing with COVID right now, so that really affects what we're able to do and what we're able to see. Thankfully, we are living in the golden age of streaming, so we're able to get quality entertainment sent directly to our homes and pay God knows how much for it. Because I have no idea. I have like nine different streaming services and cable and yeah. television. Yeah, wasn't it wasn't it beautiful when Roku first came out like five, six, seven years ago and like it was a real like F you to the cable companies? <laughs> it's like it was such a beautiful thing. But now we're probably paying more than what we paid the ca- on the cable bill now. <laughs> well, yeah, because it seems like with all these streaming services, there's going to be some kind of company that comes along and groups them all into some sort of package that you can pay one mm-hmm. price for. Something like a cable company might be able to handle that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the more it changes, the more it stays the same. Oh, but Lord. speaking of movies, Arthur, Damn. you said that you actually got out to a movie theater recently. How was that? Man, it was fantastic, man, because um, basically the last movie I saw right right at the like right at, you know, the point of the pandemic was Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's not like the, you know, the last film that I want to be like left with a taste in my mouth, even though I enjoyed it. You know, I was like I was really waiting to see Black Widow and all like just everything that Marvel had coming for us like last year that got got all delayed and stuff. Um, 
uh, uh, besides one other case where um, my friends threw a, a a private movie screening birthday party for my daughter in like in um, October, there wasn't really any other time that we went to the movies. So that was like the longest period since I was like a small kid that I hadn't been to the movie theater. And it really hurt, man. <laughs> like the like movies like are everything to me. Um, so now that things are kind of uh, starting to, you know, get a little looser, I was able to finally take my daughter to see the Croods like last Friday. And it was like, I was so buzzed to be in a theater. I even yelled at a bunch of people uh, going into another screen. It's like, we're at the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I, I love movies, but um, I hate movie theaters, um, which is mm-hmm. a weird place to be. Let me correct that. I hate what we call our conventional movie theaters, the sticky floor and share an armrest with the people next to you <laughs> and the $6 popcorn and the $7 soda. I, I, I'm no big fan of that experience looking around. Where am I going to sit? If I get in late, do I have to sit right up on the screen or do I have to sit all mm-hmm. the way in the back with, you know, the people who are just there to make out and make noise? Like I miss, <laughs> I miss number one. I miss the, the local Alamo draft house, uh, which was in Yonkers and uh, subsequently, mm closed unfortunately um and i also mm. missed uh we had an ipic theater which had those little pods where it was two armchairs and some pillows and some blankets and you had a waiter don't you just fall asleep though i can't have the seat be too comfortable no 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 not when you pay 28 dollars to sit in that seat you don't fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i was willing to pay i was willing to pay for a premium mo- movie going experience for all I appreciate it, I honest to God couldn't tell you what the last movie I saw in theaters was. I, mm-hmm. It was so long ago by this point. And I even got, you know, they, pardon, they actually closed before COVID, the, the IPIC in my location. Uh, they were having some trouble. Uh, they still have the ones down in Manhattan and stuff like that. Um, but as far as the one that was closest to me, they had closed a little early. So it might have been Spider-Man Far From Home might have been the last one that I actually saw uh, in the iPick. And then um, the last, mm, I think the last movie I saw in theaters on. was I went and I saw Scary Movie as hosted by Joe Bob Briggs at the Alamo Draft House, And wow. that's so much fun. If you guys aren't watching his show on Shudder, then you're seriously missing out. I, I, I love that man. That's dope. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, like, I just saw... Last night I saw, you know, like is it is we live in a weird time where it's just like, um, no, see it at home and at the theater, and I don't know. I mean, you kind of have to be a super movie freak to be like, I'm gonna go pay to see it, <laughs> you know. But that's what I am, man. Like, I mean, I want to see King Kong, and you know, it's already gonna be a dumb movie. A big dumb movie, but you got to see a big dumb movie on a big dumb screen. You know what I'm saying? Right, but that's that's what it is. You went to go see. You did recently. You saw uh, Kong versus Godzilla, yeah. and that's the perfect movie to go see on a screen because that is a you know push popcorn into your face and watch monsters punch each yeah. other kind of movie. Yeah. And I think you lose some of that experience in your home. Yeah, I mean, when when it was basically when it's the only choice you have, yeah, you you'll do that, but you know. It's just interesting what I'm willing to do as a movie fan, especially missing the theater so much, you know, because uh, uh, I saw Raya, uh, the new Disney Kung Fu, not Kung Fu, but uh, martial arts movie. 
um, I saw it at home. It was really good, but it's like big animated pictures like that. You got to see it in the theater first, you know, like that. It's 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 really magical to to see these things on a big screen, you know. Yeah, I saw that that movie had underperformed a little bit um, according to people's expectations. Now you you have Disney Plus, obviously, so you're able to watch it, and you paid extra to watch that movie, and you were you yeah. were happy to do it. Yeah, I mean, I got a kid, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's like our thing. We like I take her to the movie theater all the time. And, you know, I try to give her as many experiences as possible. And, you know, and, you know, I I love the support, the, the Disney animated films that are more more uh, just kind of engaging more with uh, different stories about different people that, you know, like, you know, they they feature all sorts of Southeast Asian people in a Disney like feature. And it's just like I'm seeing people that I've never seen animated before, <laughs> you know. So like I had no problem like you know paying to see that because it was just it was a trip seeing characters make Panang curry <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> it was like super super like like deep cut Southeast Asian stuff in that movie. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad that you're enjoying like the additional representation that uh, you know some marginalized communities are getting in these films now, and that's yeah, not man, problem. Yeah, especially like Moana and stuff. Like all all of these are really good, you know. And it's always good when it doesn't feel like um, it's like forced. They're just really telling the good story. Of course, they they have the Disneyfication of stuff that gets a little taxing annoying it's like oh look who's going to be the next little animal friend that they're going to sell as a toy you know it's just like when when the formula is like very proud to be in the room you know look look at me look at my formula you know that's when it gets a little annoying but i mean you know you compromise with like the deep lore of a, a group of people that you're just de definitely not used to seeing yeah, and I think it makes the stories more interesting. Admittedly, I don't see the uh, Disney movies as often as I might. I don't have any children. My girlfriend and I uh, don't mm -hmm. have any kids that watch that sort of programming. And typically that sort of programming isn't really, I don't think, you know, necessarily designed for me. And I'm sure that, you know, it has to be entertaining for adults because adults are going to be there watching these shows with their children. So obviously you oh, yeah. can't bore them to tears but uh honestly hearing you talk about it is about as much exposure as i typically get to it above and beyond mm -hmm. just flipping through going oh yeah that's that disney movie that didn't really perform so well all right uh, speaking of speaking of like uh uh like adults exposure to these things like i saw the tom and jerry movie and that was another one that released um through streaming and that actually had a lot of great stuff for adults to laugh at. It was really, really funny. <laughs> yeah, you so, beat uh, me on that one, too. Yeah, I, seen yeah, that. I mean, I'll be watching it all, man. <laughs> hey, I'm lucky I got through the four-hour Snyder Cut. You know, that was that's a lot of movie for me. Thank goodness, too, they put those little lines in there, the chapter markers, you know, mm -hmm. where you can, like, pick up and lead off. Uh, yeah. Because otherwise, I don't know why it is that like I look at a four hour movie and I go, oh, I can't sit through that. And then I will sit down and binge watch eight half hour episodes without any problem whatsoever. I I think what it is, is seeing four hours versus seeing a 45 minute thing that ends with um, see the next show um, starts in eight, seven, six, five. Like, I think that's what it is. So you see the four hours like, oh, man. 
<laughs> I know it was there was something reassuring about the pre-established breaks like okay I know where I'm gonna jump in and I know where mm -hmm. I'm gonna get out and mm -hmm. I, this is where you know the stories will make sense in my brain because I'm gonna remember like the first 15 20 minutes of something I saw and I'm gonna remember like the last 15 20 minutes of something I saw but all that mm -hmm. stuff in the middle just starts to blend after a while I saw it in two settings and um, I was really upset with the first two hours because it a lot of it reminded me of how what what I didn't like about the Joss Whedon version. Uh, uh, but the last two hours I thought were pretty good. Um, but it still annoyed me because the it this is just a representation of, of Warner Brothers' great failure, you know, uh, and that we get to live in kind of this media engorged time that we can actually see a whole other director's cut of a movie like <laughs> four hours isn't worth of amazing it? though isn't that amazing i mean you think about <laughs> think about music albums you know albums get remastered and remixed and they mm -hmm. get redone but there's something you know finite about when an artist creates a movie where you say that's the movie that we're making and that's the way it is i mean could you imagine if we were able to go back and look at the the suicide squad movie for example what was the original intent there or uh, mm -hmm. the fan four stick or fantastic four whatever the the modern one was uh you know what was the original vision theirs because that was a movie that had a lot of really good fun horror notes which i enjoyed uh as mm -hmm. as a um as a horror aficionado or like what would have what would the uh, uh new mutants movie had been like if it hadn't been delayed you know god knows how many times it still would have been bad tom <laughs> it still would have been bad bro <laughs> the new mutants <laughs> oh my gosh you know i i'm i might be i might be one of the few people that kind of enjoyed that movie Boo, Tom, I, I'm, I'm to admit, I, know, I know i know i know i know but look there are certain things that you wait for and want so badly that you almost can't let yourself down by hating them like i i, I remember tracking that movie and telling my girl oh it's coming out in april oh no they bumped it to october Oh, they're going to do reshoots. Oh, nobody's available for reshoots. And you wait and you wait and you wait and you want this thing so desperately that maybe once you finally convince you, once you finally get it, you you're able to convince yourself that there was something palatable about Bro, it. Bro, man, so I, I, I was I, with I you with that. I was with you with that, man. Like, I mean, I was excited that, you know, anything, anything that approaches the Marvel storytelling is great. What Marvel does is they take each one of their products and, and makes a different genre out of it. So to take the mutants and make kind of like a teen horror movie is a great concept. You know, my problem is when I actually saw the movie, bro. <laughs> yeah, they didn't stick it. They didn't stick it. I, I can understand that. I want, and I wanted that out of the Fantastic Four movie. You know, when we watch the Fantastic Four movie and you see the transformation where, you know, in 99% of superhero movies, superhero gets superpowers and is totally down and goes on to do their superhero thing. And so when you have something like the Fantastic Four, you have a person who is literally on fire all the time. That's probably probably terrifying or a human being who has become some form of living mobile you know sentient rock that is absolutely terrifying so when you have this sort of like 
carpenter-esque body horror mm-hmm. i wish i wish somebody would really lean into it yeah and i'm not seeing it yeah yeah i don't know i mean it's it's is you you want to lean into it you don't want it to be half-hearted and that's kind of one of, one of the huge problems of that last one especially when there's just too many cooks in the kitchen you know you could clearly see when there's too many cooks in the kitchen and, and you don't really see the singular vision yeah, I think uh, I think you know Suicide Squad, Fan Four Stick. I, I will always call it that. Oh, yeah. And uh, and yep, and yep. the New Mutants <laughs> definitely showed that problem for sure. And of course, the non Snyder cut of Justice League to bring it right back to the beginning is because that again, yeah. too many cooks in the kitchen, and you don't have a, a singular vision. And yeah, it it really hurts you. And not that Zack Snyder's singular vision. I'm gonna say it, it's a lot of people give him credit for the character development you know, improvement in the movie, except that he also got four hours. So character development becomes a heck of a lot easier when you have so much more time to work with. You have time for those nuanced moments. I mean, like the the thing is though, he was he was gonna make like either two movies or a trilogy. You would have you would have had the time to do that. But but the 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 problem was you shouldn't just come out with a Justice League movie. You need to you need to like we need to get to learn all of those characters if you're trying to do like, like a a a multi movie like a story expansion thing, you know. Like we shouldn't seen Flash like for the first time in that like horrible fever dream that Batman had in, in uh, Batman versus Superman. You know, true, it's just true. Weird and stupid. But at the same time, as a comic book fan, like, and maybe that's my problem is I'm viewing it as a comic book fan. I don't need you to tell me the backstory on Wonder Woman or Batman or Superman or The Flash. Do you think the average person needs to know more about The Flash than he's super fast and he's a little bit quirky? And now well, we're I mean, the it. reason the reason why you're doing it is because like there's new kids that you're introducing this to, you know. Like I mean, when was when has there been a Flash movie? Well, I mean, you've got the whole CW verse, and you have the you still have you know decades of comics. Yeah, but like I mean, that's one of the problems that Warner Brothers has is like, you, how can you do a Flash movie when you have a popular Flash TV show that's not going to match up? That's but that that's the thing though. You is either you go with the Flash from the TV show, or you you still have to make a cinematic flash. You still have to go through those, those steps to make that happen. If out of all the characters that needed another movie, it would have been the flash, like, you know, as a precursor to justice league. Honestly, I really feel like just, uh, the flash should have been the key to the justice league more than Batman should have been Batman. Batman should have had the same sort of uh, pedigree that they gave the Superman, you know, like not making him front and center on everything that just it took away all the mystique and power from bruce wayne and batman i guess so but then how would you like now do you feel like when we see spider-man you know did you approve of or not approve of not having an origin story in the current iteration of spider-man because some people would say that got dropped right into the middle that's that's different though because we've we've had We've had like two decades of Spider-Man movies. That's fair. So it it's a smart thing to like not do the origin again. There's no Flash movies. <laughs> There's no Wonder Woman movies like pre those movies. It's it, true. It was bro. only it was only Superman and Batman for twenty years, thirty years, honestly. 
And that's a fair point, but I just, I feel like sometimes you get tied into this paradigm of having to give an origin story for some people and having to, um, you know, get, get locked in that box a little bit. And I think that there is something to be said for just dropping us in it. Well, yeah. I mean, you could do cold open stuff with like maybe look minor flashbacks. I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing against that, but you need to have that movie. <laughs> You need to have it like it doesn't have to be an origin movie. You could be like you we, like with us knowing about the Flash TV show. We don't have to go super into the origins of the character. It could be, but but that movie needed to happen first because, you know, the thing is, if you look at the the, the Marvel model, you know, we know the characters going into the team up. So it, it then becomes about how those characters interact with each other. You know, to not to not have that creates like like you guys kind of skipped some steps to get to this and and nothing feels earned i mean you i know, guess like, so like i do see that the, the, the connection with doomsday and superman doesn't feel earned like when they're facing off with each other it's like y'all just meeting each other <laughs> like, like what is, that is, it doesn't mean anything <laughs> I, I, okay, so within the context of the actual movie itself, I totally get that. But I think that there's enough material out there. Oh, and one other place where we got to give a little credit where credit is due. The DC animated universe is absolutely prolific. I mean, there well, yeah, is man, yeah, so Dini. much stuff out there. And I think that, you know, if, if you're watching any of that stuff, A, it gears towards the younger fans. So I think that that's filling that gap there where younger fans might mm -hmm. not necessarily know some of the characters. But if you're just talking about their particular relationships within the context of the movie in this specific iteration, yeah, I, I could see your point that you want to know a little bit more about how and why they connect um, but I, mm -hmm. I just don't know if we need a six-hour Snyder cut. Is all. <laughs> no, I'm not asking. I'm not asking for that. <laughs> Are you sure? Are like, you I sure you don't want a six-hour cut? <laughs> we might actually find out what the hell all that Martian Manhunter stuff was. <laughs> that was so bizarre. What was that? Oh, like, man. Why does he know so much about Ma Kent? And does that I just know, completely man. wipe away all the emotional gravity so of that weird. scene when she walks out the door and turns into Martian Manhunter? Like, I was I was happy that Harry Lennox, like after playing like generic generals in almost every movie for the past twenty years, <laughs> gets to actually be a superhero. <laughs> like I really was happy that he got to do that, but the circumstances were so weird. Oh, man. It was so shoehorned. It was. I so hated that scene. Shoehorned. Like Bruce Wayne. Like you can't even say Bruce Wayne. That was Ben Affleck. <laughs> That's it was not Bruce Wayne. Ben Affleck's on this like lake house, <laughs> just kind of just mildly bemused at this floating green guy. And then and then Martian Manhunter has the worst line. He says, Some people call me Martian Manhunter. Who are these some people? And maybe that's the worst name to tell somebody who just like fought saving the world. Manhunter. Like, just oh, say yeah, call me oh. John. I mean, this, you know, Batman went right inside that little cabin and started working on a contingency plan for this dude. Not that, not that Batman. That Batman went back, his ass back to sleep, bro. 
That's true. The 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 true to life or true to comic version of Batman would have immediately left, gone to the Batcave, and started working on this. Like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> you know? No, I I, I completely. It, that was that was weird. That was a little bit weird for me. And then there's a lot of weird. There's a nothing. lot of weird stuff in that movie, man. There's so gonna, much weird stuff. How are you gonna tease a new movie? At the end of it, like, oh, there's you were teasing the next when you know full well nothing is coming. Yeah. That seemed but, unnecessary. Again, it's it's just it speaks to the failure, you know, because he, he shot he shot a lot of that stuff. And most of the new stuff was the Joker scene, which mm. they obviously didn't shoot at the same time. You know, you know, Zack Snyder, he kind of works on a, a couple of levels like that was cool. And the other level is like, it was, yeah. a, you know, I, that you, you, you sound like you're describing <laughs> my experience with the Watchmen movie. So I completely understand. God, I love that comic book so much. And I actually love that movie more than I should. I know. I know. We don't even have time to get into it, but yeah, man, I, I, I think, I think Watchmen is the best thing he's made. Like, like I think Watchmen was him really trying like really, really trying, and and uh, the only thing the th- the thing that sucks is that the whole satire aspect was lost on him. That's what makes that movie uh, fail, you know, that he does he doesn't get the satire aspect, you know, like like the violence wasn't done because it looked cool. It was it was showing like the the psycho- psychological break of these characters. Like what 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 were they being a superhero for? With with Zach is like yeah man like look how cool they look, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, and just I think did not look, get I understand you all. had to change the ending of that movie. You had to change the ending of that movie. You no, you uh, don't. I think I think the HBO the HBO show showed that like it was dumb to change that. Like out of all because most of the most of that movie's intact. Like you know besides the sat- satire. No, you cannot just drop a giant tentacle monster in the last five minutes of the movie and roll credits. I'm sorry, I don't see it. I just, I think you mess up the whole storyline by making Doctor Manhattan the 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 absolute you know perceived villain of that event because. Dr. Manhattan is not autonomous. He's American and he's been working on behalf of the Americans. So the idea that this event would have brought the whole world together, um, spoilers for anybody who hasn't <laughs> seen The Watchmen after like God knows how many years. But, but the idea that like the rest of the world wouldn't have just immediately pointed their guns at the U.S. and said, your dude did this. So I think part of the the message of what it was hoping to achieve is lost in that. But I feel like where you and I might be more accepting of a giant tentacle monster suddenly appearing in cities around the world, I I just don't think that you could take that kind of left turn in the last 10 minutes of a movie. I just, I feel like there's huge portions of the audience that won't go there. Look, look, Magnolia, 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 Magnolia had raining frogs. <laughs> Ma- Watchmen had a big, like, naked blue dude with his dick out. <laughs> like, I-, I don't think, like, a big squid in New York would have been that big uh. a deal. Because, <laughs> like, again, like I said, Watchmen, the the HBO series, like, they did everything to a T from, from the Watchmen series, you know? And it was fantastic. 
All right. Well, you know, I guess I guess here at Tales to Admonish, we got to talk shit about stuff, but we also have to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll give I'll give a lot of credit. Like that that opening scene for Watchmen. Oh yeah. Lord, the times are changing. Oh. Jesus Christ! Like the trailer it's, to that it's, movie. It's almost as good as as the opening scene to Wolverine Origins. Oh oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the him fighting Man, through Civil War and everything. Movie. That should have just been the whole movie and been yeah, done Leif, with it. Yeah, Liev Schreiber was such an inspiring choice to be Sabretooth, man. That's another terrible movie that I love. It is so eminently watchable. <laughs> it, is ob- it is objectively <laughs> terrible, but it is I will fight to the death <laughs> that you can put that movie on anywhere at any point in the movie. And as a comic book fan, that, that shit is eminently watchable. Well, uh, time is wrapping up for us right now. Um, so uh, we have uh, some movie homework we have to do. All right, what are we going to talk shit about next um, time? Well, we we got to, I don't know if you um, caught up on Invincible, but we need to talk about Invincible, the series on Amazon. Oh, Kirkman's thing, yeah. You read? Did you read the comic? I never read the comic, no, but I I watched an interview with Kirkman where he was talking about the development of the book and about this new series and stuff. And, and what is it, the first couple of episodes have already hit? Oh, four episodes, and they're all okay. an hour each. Ooh, isn't that cool? They're that doing cool. animated series like a, a, a like an hour hour drama. Alrighty, so I will watch Invincible, and then um, so that'll be our our movie homework. Nope, you gotta do you gotta do uh, Falcon Winter Soldier too. Oh, I'm, I'm so caught up on Falcon Winter Soldier. We could talk about all that Marvel. Maybe next time, you know, because we spent most of this episode shitting on DC, we'll go back <laughs> and we'll talk about all of the awful stuff that happened. Um, but it's so fun to shit I got on. Some problems. I got to be honest. I got some problems with Falcon and Winter Soldier. I love it. I love what they're doing. And I am, look, I'm a dyed in the wool Marvel fanboy since forever, but I got a couple of problems. All right. Well, we'll save that for next time. I can't wait to talk to you about it. And thank you guys for listening to Tales to Admonish.